Mark chapter 1, begin at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. Some of your translations will say Christ. The Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray and ask God to bless the gospel. Lord Jesus, you are the word of God. And so we pray to you, come, teach us, help us to hear the good news. For we ask this in your name. Amen. I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine. Uh, His name is Daryl. Daryl and I were in college together. And uh, Daryl is super brilliant. Uh, so he came in the year after I came in. So I was a sophomore when he was a freshman. And Daryl was super motivated to finish college, but not just like I just got to get a degree. He decided to pick really tough majors. He decided to, I said majors, yeah. He double majored in religion and philosophy. So not, not religion and philosophy in one major, two separate majors, religion and philosophy. Now, If you've never been in these kinds of classes, let me tell you, religion and philosophy require lots of reading and tons of writing. I mean, like, lots of writing. Like, you start off with like 10, 12, 15 page papers, okay? That wasn't enough for Daryl. Daryl decided that that he wanted to do even more, so he, he double minored. He double minored in biblical languages and communication. So biblical languages is a lot of translation, a lot of memorizing. I mean, I had I had note cards like this deep. And Daryl is getting a minor in this. And on top of that, I told you he was motivated. Daryl actually finished, came in a year after me. He finished a year ahead of me. Two majors, two minors, three years. This is Daryl. Now, came to the time of the great celebration. Graduation. And graduation is coming in and the lines are coming down. And Daryl is not there. There's, there's a gap. 
you know, where Daryl should be sitting. You know, they had practiced this and they, they had gone through and so that someone had left the space for him. You see, Daryl had fallen asleep in his dorm room. Now, Daryl had every reason, I believe, to fall asleep in his dorm room. Two majors, two minors, three years. You sleep. Now, what Daryl needed was someone who would come and wake him up to let him know he was asleep, to let him know he was about to miss the celebration of all his hard work, of all that he had done. Would someone come and wake Daryl up? Well, Daryl is not too much unlike the Israel of the day that, that, uh, that Mark begins to write about. You see, Israel, they knew the Messiah was coming. They had all kinds of poems. They had all kinds of literature, all kinds of wisdom that was pointing to one that was great. There was going to be a great celebration of the day. And they knew this was happening. They had prepared, but they didn't realize what they didn't realize in their years of preparation in that story that God had taken them through. They didn't realize that they had fallen asleep. That they were just as much in need of someone to come and wake them up to what God was going to do in the world. They thought they had got all figured out. And what they find out is that they have fallen asleep. And so we jump right into this story where someone is coming to wake them up. His name is John the Baptist. And he wakes them up. And he calls them to repent. They were sure that when Messiah came, when that one who was supposed to come before him, they would be declaring, make straight the paths of the Lord, that that would be for other people, that that would now be because of where they were. That would be for the Romans. That would be for the Greeks. That would be for all those other countries, because we know all about this. I mean, we've studied. We got two degrees and two minors in, in three years. We know it all. And what John shows them is, no, you've fallen asleep. And it is you, Israel, that needs to hear, wake up, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. It is available. Make straight his paths. Come out. And he invites them to remember their story. We kind of miss that in our day and age, but he was calling them out to the Jordan. If you were to go back into the Old Testament, you would see that the Jordan River was where Israel crossed over into the new promised land. So he was inviting them, come back to the beginning of our story. Come back, get in this water, repent, show that you need to go in this way. Now repent, repent means to shuv, to turn 180 degrees, to have a complete mindset change, rethink everything. God is going to do something here. Come out into the desert. And we see that lots of folks were being awakened and coming out into the desert. But are they really any different from us here in the United States in 2017? I mean, maybe we need to spend just a little bit of time asking, how do churches go to sleep? You know that's possible, right? Some of you are proving that right now. (laughs) It is possible for churches to go to sleep. How does this happen? I would argue that primarily churches fall asleep by assuming. It is something that happens to the best of us. We assume that we know all that God is going to do. It can look like this. We assume that God is just like us and concerned just as much 
about United States national security as we are. We, we think that we often envision God or portray God as an uptight evangelical. You know God isn't an uptight evangelical, right? I hope you know that. We, we believe and we assume that we know that God votes like us, listens to the same news channel as we did. Now, listen to that for a second. I didn't declare which news station. I'm just saying the one you listen to. I don't care which one it is. If we assume that God is concerned about that, I think we're actually falling asleep. We're assuming. If we think that God is as concerned about the people that we're concerned about as, as in terms of fearing them and, and being anxious and uptight about it, can I just declare to you today, God does not lose an ounce of sleep about Islam. I thought I'd get an amen about that. He's not anxious about that or worried about that. God is one who loves and is longing for that one, even those to come and understand his ways that lead to life. Are we awake or have we fallen asleep? So sometimes we are just as surprised when a John the Baptist type person tells us that we must wake up, that we must repent, that we must turn 180 degrees, that we must have a complete mindset change, and we must now look at what God is about to do. Sometimes that means we get called back to the beginning of our story where we remember, you know that the beginning of our story is as Christians is to confess that Jesus is Lord, right? Do I get an amen for that? Sometimes, maybe to first wake up, we have got to get back to the beginning and realize, as we have sung today, He is the great King here and now. He is the one who is ruling and reigning. He is our King. And I think sometimes we let news or the internet, or what's going on in the world, be the thing that determines whether we're anxious or not. Today, I think John the Baptist says, repent, wake up, church. It's time for us to see what God is about to do in the world. It's an amazing thing. We are to prepare for the arrival of the Son of God in our midst. So, is there an example in church history of someone who woke up like that? Well, there are plenty. But today I want to talk about one. His name is John. I want you to know that John was raised in the church in Jerusalem. You see, John's, in fact, some scholars believe that John's mother was so wealthy that the actual church in Jerusalem met in their home. So John saw this from the beginning. He, he saw this little thing emerge. And there was an, an interesting nuance of the church of its day. Where was it already, just in this beginning inception, beginning to fall asleep? They began to assume that if you were going to follow Jesus, you needed to become a Jew first and then declare your your loyalty to Jesus. They assume that if you're going to follow the Jewish Messiah, you should probably become a Jew first and then follow. 
And John saw all of this. He saw these early arguments at the beginning of, of, of the church and when it was founded. And, and he, he really wanted the church to succeed. And in fact, we see, and if you want to read it in the book of Acts, we see that John goes out with Paul and a few others and, and begins to work uh, towards what God is doing at the world. But something happens. A John the Baptist shows up. His name is Paul. And he begins to see that God is pouring out His Spirit on Gentile people, that means non-Jewish people, without them converting to Judaism. And Paul stops doing it. It shakes John to the core. In fact, he leaves this travel and goes back to Jerusalem. He eventually begins to see things happen. He's probably there when they finally wrestle out. Do non-Jews have to become Jews in order to become Christians? And they say no. He, he really begins to be with around the, the Apostle Peter as he sees Peter teach and live out the call of Jesus. He, he sees all of this going. He hears the stories. In fact, scholars say that he became a scribe for Peter as Peter was in Rome trying to teach the Romans about this great Jesus whom he had seen. And in hearing these firsthand stories and watching how Peter lived and died trying to show the Romans what God was like, Jesus woke John up. He saw how the way of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, opens a place for all people, not to become Jews, but to become sons and daughters of God. He he saw how the suffering, all vulnerable God we see in Jesus' life and death, turns all political power on its head. And so, he takes these stories of Peter... And he crafts a gospel, but it's not for the Jews. Matthew's gospel was for the Jews. It was already out there. It was already circulating. And so he takes this and he just lops off all the parts that that Jewish people would get all obsessed with, but Romans could care nothing about. (laughs) And he says, let's make this short, sweet, and to the point. If you look through through Mark's gospel, one of the words you're going to see all the time is immediately, suddenly. Immediately, John was here. We see it just in our passage today. John the Baptist appeared in the desert. He wants, it's quick, short, to the point. He wants the Romans to understand and get this gospel. He knows now that God's suffering love is for all people. And the church needs to continually wake up to that call. This is important. So much so was this important. So much so had John been woken up, woken up to this gospel, to this good news about the king who is coming. That he followed Paul and he decided not to use his Jewish name, John. But when he put his name on the gospel, he used his Roman name, Mark. This is the gospel that we are going to enter into and study over the next weeks and maybe months. Don't worry if some of you are having flashbacks to the gospel of John. We won't take four and a half years. I promise. I think I learned my lesson. So the question is, will we be awakened or will we sleep through it? 
I, I want us, what we're going to do over the next few weeks, uh, there are a uh, few chapters. What this is what we're going to do, all right? Every week, so starting today, I want you to read through John, uh, I'm sorry, Mark, John Mark, Mark. I want you to read through Mark chapter 1 every day. It's not that long. You can probably do it in about 10 minutes. Okay? Just chapter 1. I know you're going to want to go on to chapter 2, but don't do it. Stay in chapter 1. I want you to read it once a day. There are audio Bibles. I mean, some of you have commutes. If you have a commute longer than 10 minutes, you can probably hear Mark chapter 1 every day driving home. And if you're really bold, maybe you'll listen to it again on the way home. You know, back and forth. Just listen to that gospel. Let the stories get into you. And next week, I will preach from somewhere in John... My goodness. Mark, I really must love John. Mark chapter 1. I will preach from somewhere in Mark chapter 1. Then, starting next Sunday, guess what chapter you're going to read for a week? Mark chapter 2. Wonderful. And then you're going to read that every day. You're going to go through that process. And then that's going to be July 16th. And we have a new young preacher who's going to come and preach from somewhere in John chapter 2. So you're going to want to be here when... Mark! Oh, my goodness. Mark, Mark, Mark. Mark, Mark, Mark. All right, from Mark chapter 2. So you're going to want to be here on the 16th when we see what God is going to bring to us through Joe Savage. Did you know Joe has accepted a call to ministry? And our local... Yes, yes. And our church board at our last board meeting, we were over the moon excited to extend a local minister's license to Joe. And I want to, I don't want to wait too long to get him up preaching. I want him to use the gift that I believe God has laid on his heart. So be here on the 16th. Come and support Joe. And you're going to read from Mark chapter two. And then Joe will preach from that somewhere in that passage. And then it goes on to Mark chapter what? Three, right, three, then four, then five. So you see how, you see how, so our series will last as long as there are chapters in the gospel of Mark. All right. The question is today, church, cross community church of the Nazarene, July 2nd, 2017. Are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to come and wake us up through the gospel? I'm tired of being asleep. It's time to wake up. And only God can do this. And somehow he still uses the story that John Mark wrote down for us. My friend Daryl. He missed his graduation. All the work. All the preparation. He missed the celebration. Will we... Will we miss what God is doing and wanting to do in Portage and Kalamazoo because we were too busy asleep with our own assumptions? God have mercy on us. I hope not. We're going to try to lean in to this gospel, hear what God has to say, and see what God wants to do to wake us up. Because when the church is awake, 
There is nothing that can hold back the life, the love, the grace, the mercy, the healing in a community. I want us to be one of those churches. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. I'm so grateful that you still use a story written thousands of years ago to communicate to us. To communicate to us that you are always calling us forward. As we read in that very first verse, this is the beginning. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. Somehow, whenever we start the gospel, it is always beginning. There's always a new beginning. So, we've had almost 100 years of this church in some, some shape, form, or fashion. And yet today, as a pastor of these good people, I pray that we would have a new beginning. Where we would hear through the power of your Spirit the gospel proclaimed that still transforms lives, that still challenges political power systems and structures, and shows them to be what they are, only filled with violence, fear, and anxiety. We need a church in America today that is above fear because you have shown us that your life and your hope and your liberty can never be thwarted. And so I pray, begin here with us. Wake us up. Set the heavenly alarm clock that we might hear it at the core of who we are and be challenged to go and live the Jesus life here in Portage and Kalamazoo. Oh God, have mercy on us. If we are asleep, let us repent. Let us yield over our assumptions about you, about the world. And let you, Lord Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, come and set our agenda. Let us not miss the party that heaven longs to throw right here in this town. And I pray that all of us would receive the good news for all people. For it's in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, that I pray all these things. And everyone who's awake says, Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? Receive this blessing. And now, may you hear the alarm clock of heaven and respond. Don't hit the snooze button. Don't let your assumptions get in the way of what God wants to do here at Cross Community Church. And I pray that you will receive all that you need to go and proclaim the gospel. Remember, if it's not good news for all people, it's not the gospel. Go and proclaim God's love, healing, mercy, grace, forgiveness, and transformational power. And I pray that you would receive this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. Have a great holiday weekend. Be safe out there. Enjoy your time.